0: Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8: 30, 9, 10 and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, hey, good morning, church. Good to be with you. Thank you Nathan. Thank you. Uh, Chris Collins and the praise team. really love that worship set today. You know, can we just appreciate them a little bit? Um, You know, we worship so that God God will soften our hearts to receive the word better. And sometimes our hearts are kind of hardened up and the soil is really... Is really firm. And, um, and when you guys, as a praise team, I could feel your heart today. When you guys are willing to show your heart, that helps us to, you know, to open our hearts a little bit. So I'm just grateful for that. We're in Humanize Me, and we're talking about community, and I'm going to read to you from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. So I encourage you to get your Bibles out, to follow along, or to turn on your Bibles any way the Word of God comes into your life. I want you to follow along with me as we look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and as we open the Bible, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we do pray that you'd soften our hearts, that that the things that we would do as we enter an hour like this, they'd be sacred things, and that you by your Spirit would soften our hearts, would open our minds, so that we can actually hear your voice, that we can hear you speaking, and know by the time we've left this room, we haven't heard from one another, we haven't heard from some preacher on a stage, but we've heard you, Jesus, talking to each one of us. And telling us how much you love us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because of he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What does that have to do with community? Loneliness is at an epidemic. People are are feeling more and more alone in our time. In fact, you may have missed this, but two years ago, the, the government in the United Kingdom created a, a new kind of a, of a commission, and they appointed a minister of loneliness over the whole nation. Why? Because they did a survey, and when they surveyed the, the citizens of the UK, one out of five, 20%, reported that they felt lonely or completely alone most of the time. And and they also came out with this, uh, the report said that 200,000 of the elderly in the UK, 200,000 of the elderly reported on this survey not having had a meaningful conversation with a relative or friend for over one month. And that kind of loneliness, it actually has has a physical impact. And so they were concerned about it from a health perspective, that that kind of loneliness, it lowers life expectancy and it causes health uh, damage uh, to the equivalent of of smoking and obesity. So they appointed a, a minister of loneliness because somehow in this world, in this time, where we're supposed to be more connected than ever, we're supposed to be more together than ever, somehow loneliness is the worst that it... Has maybe ever been Uh, a hotel in um, in Brussels, Belgium, has begun addressing this. They've begun renting goldfish to the people who stay at their hotel. (laughs) Seriously, can you read the sign? Rent a fish. Uh, Alone in your room, and want company. Rent a fish. It's about four bucks a night. And, uh, and you can have a, a, little, a little swimmy partner uh, there in your hotel. Have you ever been there? You've been like, I would take anything. And so they, they'll rent this, this fish to you. Now, we've been getting some performance reports uh, in the comment card about this fish. Do you want to hear some of them? They say, not a great conversationalist, <laughs> but a good listener, a good listener, <laughs> which is important in a friend. And another comment, okay, a little wishy-washy. Hard to pin down. Yep, you can, I can see that. Not too easy to cuddle. You know, you can imagine that. That is a hard cuddle right there. That's difficult. Or, or this one. You know, some people say it's just kind of cold. It's not easy to talk to. But on the other side, somebody said, too bubbly. Too, too bubbly. See, I thought that was the funniest one. But I should have changed the order. Rent a fish. That, that is funny. I mean, that is funny. Although at the same time, isn't it kind of sad? You know? So let's talk about relationship poverty today. You see, it's, it's dehumanizing when we get ourselves isolated and alone. When we get ourselves into such a, a bubble that we've separated ourselves from relationship with others, it's dehumanizing because God, who made us to be human beings in his image, God made us to be in relationship. Solitude can be a gift, but lonely is no good. It's no good. It's no good. Now, here's the deal. When we get isolated and alone, when we cut ourselves off from those around us, when we find ourselves uh, isolated and behind layer after layer of protective shield, Jesus knows how to break through and find us where we are and pull us into community and connection. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of what? Zacchaeus. We might as well say his name because we can't spell it. Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So Jesus, what did we learn? Jesus was passing through, right? He's passing through. So everything that happened with Zacchaeus was by pure accident. Nothing that happens in Jesus' life is by accident. We get to meet Zacchaeus. What do we know about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Well, let me tell you, tax collectors were not well-liked in that day. They weren't super popular like they are in our time. (laughs) You know, first on the invite list. (laughs) No, it was worse than that. It was worse than that. The people were suffering uh, an oppressive occupation from Rome. And the tax collectors, they were the ones who colluded with Roman authorities to suck wealth out of the provinces. So what would tax collectors do? They would purchase a kind of a franchise of a tax base, and they had to return to Rome a certain amount of money, you know, each term from that tax base. But whatever they could get above and beyond that, whatever they could wrench out of the people, they got to keep for themselves. So this was your tax collector. And a system like that, what does that produce? That produ- that's a, a greed-based system kind of corrupt, mob boss kind of a a system, okay? That's a tax collector. And Jesus had met tax collectors before. In fact, in the same gospel back in chapter 5, he came upon a a tax collector named Levi. We actually know him best by his other name, Matthew. And Jesus came to Matthew, and Matthew was at his tax collecting booth bringing in these gains when Jesus said, get up from there and follow me. And what did he do? He got up and he he followed Jesus. And later on, Jesus was addressing a group in Luke 15 of tax collectors and sinners when he told some of his most famous parables, like the, the parable of the prodigal son. Who was he talking to? Tax collectors and sinners. He had them all gathered together. So Jesus knew something about these people. And Matthew is with Jesus as they enter Jericho now. And Matthew was a tax collector. And Matthew... we may have even known Zacchaeus. Why? Because Zacchaeus, Scripture tells us, was a chief tax collector. In fact, he's the only one in the New Testament who gets that title. Now, what does that mean? Maybe he was the one who bought and sold the franchises. Maybe he was a a kind of a supervisor. Maybe Matthew knew Zacchaeus. Maybe he learned from Zacchaeus. And maybe, as they were entering Jericho, Matthew just kind of came along, uh, Jesus, and said, Jesus, let me just, let me tell you. When, when we get into that town, uh, there's a guy there that I know. His name's Zacchaeus. And he is, he's the chief tax collector. I learned everything I learned about tax collecting from him. And let me tell you, he's a monster at it. He's a beast. And when you see him, if you, if you see him in the city, Jesus, we, just, we should just turn the other way. Let me help you. We should just turn the other way. Because never has there been a man further from the grace of God. Never, Jesus. His heart is so hard, there's never been someone who's going to be more resistant to your message than this guy, Zacchaeus. See, he's chief tax collector. In a corrupt system, the person at the top is the one who's the best at being the worst. And so... When we see the Zacchaeus Jesus, when we see this one, just turn the other way. Let me ask you have you ever known someone that you were tempted to think was beyond the reach of God's grace? Zacchaeus was chief tax collector, and he was, he was wealthy, he was good at it. And we also know something else about Zacchaeus, maybe the most famous thing we know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little, yeah, he was short, he was short, he was short. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Okay, yeah, he was short, he was short. But listen, you know what else? Nobody got out of the way for Zacchaeus. Do you see that? Zacchaeus wanted to see. He wanted to be a part of things. But when Zacchaeus comes along, this is the crowd, you know, <laughs> pretending not to see him, you know. you know, I've got no time for him. If, he wants, if he's got a problem, he can figure it out on his own. If he wants something in his life, he can go figure out how to get it. I don't have time for a guy like that. Zacchaeus was chief tax collector, he was wealthy, he was short, he was alone. And one more thing that we learn about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Of all that he had in his life, there was something that was missing, you see, In all of his his successful, rich life, there was still something that wasn't satisfied. There was some layer of of discontent, and he wanted to see Jesus. Now, why? Was it just the curiosity? Was it the celebrity? Was it the the sort of uh, the buzz of the event? Was it it jealousy, like somebody else is getting the spotlight? Or was it that that Zacchaeus wanted to see someone who's truly good? whose ministry is known for goodness. In all of his work, in all of his life, he's been so successful at building his kingdom and, and, and knowing how to get the money to flow into his life and to keep it there and guard it there for all that he had made and maintained. Maybe he wanted to see just something good, something good in the world. Maybe it was his loneliness. But whatever it was, it was enough to compel Zacchaeus to take a risk and to run ahead, to climb a tree and just to to, to forget about all the humiliating jabs of the crowd. He had to see Jesus. In verse 5, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down, what? Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. Listen now, even when we have have locked ourselves up in isolation, even when we find ourselves isolated and alone. For for whatever reason, things that we've done, things that others have done, when you find yourself trapped in aloneness and in isolation, in your bunker of alone, in your cell of loneliness, listen, Jesus knows where to find you and how to break in and bring you out of it. Jesus says, Zacchaeus come down, come down immediately, right now, not later. Don't sit up there in your situation and think about it, okay? Now is the moment I'm here and you step down out of that loneliness and you walk toward me. Why? Because right now is the time. This is the moment where your isolation ends. You see, we get into these situations, we think there's no urgency. I've gotten used to my life in this way. I've gotten accustomed to this kind of a pain. And when this ache comes along, I know how to handle it because Jesus, my life, has felt like this for quite some time. So you don't need to act like it's something urgent to move into my life. But for Jesus, the minute he arrives... And he knows that you're in pain. He can't move fast enough. He can't move fast enough. Zacchaeus, come down. Right now. You're alone. It's over. I'm here. Jesus says, I must. Right? Not a question, not a request, an urgent necessity. I must. Zacchaeus, come down. I must enter your life. I must stay at your house today. Let's talk about Zacchaeus' house for a minute. Which house was Zacchaeus' house? The big one. <laughs> he's wealthy. He's rich. He's a tax collector. Oh, yeah, I know Zacchaeus' house. It's, a, you know, it's the one at the end of the lane, the big one. And what do people think about Zacchaeus' house in that town? What do they associate with the house of Zacchaeus? Well, he's a chief tax collector. He colludes with Rome. He, he deals with the idolatry of money. He, he's, you know, he's always on the wrong side. He's never on the right side. No self-respecting person with any sense of ethics would ever go into Zacchaeus's house. No spiritual person, no religious person would ever enter the threshold of a man like that. And no self-respecting patriotic Israelite would ever even associate with a man like Zacchaeus. What is Zacchaeus' house? That's that one. And the only association that people have with it is pain and shame. Oh yeah, I've been in there once. I had to go in there once and beg him. I had to beg that man to give me one more week. I had to beg that man to let me off for just a little longer before he sent his hit squad out for my family. Oh, I know The house of Zacchaeus of Jericho. Large, ornate, secure, and empty. And Jesus says, I must enter your house today. Now between verses 7 and 8, there must have been a meal. Because uh, even though we don't get the meal, there must have been a meal because Zacchaeus stood up. We see that Zacchaeus stood up and said something to the Lord in verse 8. You see that? So, um, I mean, maybe there wasn't a meal. The only other alternative is that uh, Zacchaeus fell out of the tree when he was coming down to see siege. You know, he fell, whoop, boom. And then he got up and said, Lord, I feel really different about things, you know? <laughs> Wham! Maybe, but I think there was a meal. You see, and Jesus and his disciples. He went to Zacchaeus' house. They went to Zacchaeus' house, and they entered that house. And what was empty, and lonesome, and vacuous, and void? They broke through, and they entered in. And all of a sudden, there was there was joy. All of a sudden, there was conversation. There was laughter. There was food. There was wine. There was celebration. And and Jesus penetrated that that glass, he broke through that shield, and he brought in all of this joy. And when he broke through, when he popped that bubble of loneliness, when he broke that glass, then something else could come rushing in right behind. Do you know what it is? Jesus called it salvation. 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 Look at this, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him today, what? Salvation has come to this house. Salvation. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. The law for a person who defrauded someone else in Leviticus 6 and elsewhere, it tells us the law was you give that money back plus 20%, one-fifth. Zacchaeus isn't running after 20%, is he? He's looking at more like 400%. And he says, in half of all I've got, (laughs) right now, half of everything that I've got, I'm going to give it away to the poor. Let me tell you something. A city like that, a man like that, that very day, life changed in Jericho for everyone. The entire city would have felt it when Zacchaeus' heart flipped. Is that the salvation that Jesus is talking about? It's part of it. It's related to it. It's a result of it. This man Zacchaeus, he's changed. His life is is totally different. Immediately, he's transformed. That's why Luke didn't tell us all about the meal because he didn't want us to miss how quick the transformation was in this man's life. And and all of a sudden, a new man is formed. The rivers of his heart change direction in a violent flip, and everything that that was flowing in is now flowing out. And everything that he was resistant to, he's now open to, and he's entirely made a new man, a new man. Is that the salvation that Jesus is talking about? Well, he goes on. Jesus goes on and says, Zacchaeus, come down. Oh, yeah, I did that part. Today salvation has come to this house. Why? Because this man, too, is a son of what? Abraham. Of Abraham. This man, too, Jesus says, is a son of Abraham. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look down. This man, or it's like this. This man, this man too, is a son of Abraham. He's one of us. He's in the family. No more isolation, no more separation, no more shutting him out, no more him shutting you out. This man too is a son of Abraham. He's part of the family, a brother. No more alone. Is that the salvation Jesus was talking about? It's part of it. But friends, it goes even further than that. There are moments in our lives that give us insight. There are moments in each one of our lives where we see something, we learn something, we understand something. And even right in the middle of it happening, we start to realize, what I'm learning right now, in these moments, That might change everything. That might change the rest of my life. This is just such a moment. And we learn about it because of what Jesus says next. Luke 19.10. Church, let's just say this verse together as one body. Would you? Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, he was lost. Would Zacchaeus have thought himself lost a day ago? But as soon as Jesus arrived, he recognized I was lost. But at that very same moment, he realized here is Jesus, the Son of Man. And he has come to seek and to save the lost. What is salvation? It's that he was lost and Jesus sought him and Jesus called him and Jesus saved him. And now he knows Jesus, the living Christ. He doesn't long to know Jesus. He doesn't want to see something that he thinks is missing in his life. He knows Jesus Christ as his Savior and his Lord, and his life now belongs to him. Jesus said that's what eternal life is in John 17. 3, excuse me. He said, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's salvation. That's eternal life. Your life in his hands. And Zacchaeus learned it that day. Today, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. A few years ago, we had a friend here named Eric Jacobson. He's pastor of First Pres Tacoma. He was here for our Christian Life Conference. Um, we're about to have one of those in a few weeks and have another friend out. But when Eric was here, he said to us, in our day, in our time, We live behind three panes of glass. The windshield of our car, our big screen TV, and our smartphone. Three panes of glass. Three technologies that were promised to bring us closer together, but have actually caused us to fall even more apart. Three things that we've invented that promise to bind us to one another but have actually caused us to separate from one another. Three panes of glass. But Here's the good news. No matter what has gotten you behind three panes of glass into your bunker of alone and your cell of isolation, Jesus knows how to break that glass and get to where you are and pull you home. In case of emergency break glass, right? Now here at this church, there's one way we know to break the glass, and that's to get you into life groups. And uh, a couple of years ago, we had a a summer-long series called Me to We, and I just want to show you a little video of of some of what we learned.
1: So part of the paradigm shift for me and how church, how my perspective of church has changed, um, I grew up at this church, and my wife and I came back. about seven years ago and she was very connected through mops and but i wasn't really involved in anything so i knew a few folks some old folks from from way back um but i didn't have a whole lot of connection to the church and uh as i got involved in a life group um i really got to know people and what was funny is that we i would show up to church on sunday and realize i've been sitting next to these guys for a while i just didn't know and so it really was a change of perspective to be able to walk in on Sunday morning and to have people to say, hey, you know, let's sit together. Let's go to church together. Let's be involved. And uh, so that's really changed my desire to want to be at church and to really enjoy worshiping God with others that um, that were involved in, in the midweek. If I had one desire for this church, I think it would be for more people to experience the connection that they can within a
0: life group. Solitude can be a gift, but alone is no good. So we want to help you get into, you know, it's, not, it's uncomfortable sometimes. It's kind of hard to get started, to, to get to know one another. But get into circles where you know each other, you can pray for each other, you walk the Christian life together, you can bring Scripture into one another's lives. You're not alone. In emergency, What? Break glass. In case of emergency, do what? Break glass. And we can break the glass. Listen now. Before you're tempted to rent a goldfish, (laughs) would you try life groups? Solitude can be a gift but alone is no good. And the Bible tells us about this through and through. Remember Genesis, Genesis 2.18. God had made Adam, and he put Adam in the world, and then then he realized, Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be what? Alone. Alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. After all the stuff that God made, and he said, that's good, that's good, that's very good. There was one thing that he said is not good. Alone. It's not good. And you think about that moment, what are we supposed to think about that? Do we Are we really supposed to imagine that God was caught by surprise? That he was making creation and he was thinking, oh, I think I'll make, I'll make a, a, a human in my image, but I think I'll just make one, you know? I'm just going to make one. And then he made them and then thought, hmm, you know, you know, not good, not good. Now, God intended all along, didn't he, to make man and woman, husband and wife, to make you and me, to put us in community. Because to be human, as God made us to be human, is to be in relationship. And solitude can be a gift, but alone is no good. Alone is no good. Let Jesus break the glass. As the praise band comes up to join me, Jesus, he showed us this in his own life and ministry. He didn't go it alone. He gathered friends around him, 12 guys and the women that came along and supported the ministry from their own funds, we read about in Luke chapter 8. And they all, they all did stuff together. They all entered places together, and, and they walked together. And then he, Jesus even had three further that were in kind of a closer circle, Peter and James and John, that he confided in a very special way. Jesus didn't go it alone. Why? Because solitude can be a gift. But alone is no good. Alone is no good. But in the very end, Jesus did go it alone. Because when he went to the cross, he became the very picture of alone. Betrayed by his closest friends. Turned on by those who said they were following him. Rejected by the people that he loved. Crushed. Spit out. By the very world that he himself had made. Pinned to the cross with all of our sin on him, on his shoulders. He was alone. And even the most precious relationship in his heart, the relationship that mattered the most to him, the one that mattered the, more than anything else, his communion with his Father, it was broken. As he took our sin on himself. Matthew 27 says it like this. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out. Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. Which means, my God. My God have you forsaken me? Do you see, at every single step, Jesus takes on our inhumanity so that you and I can be human. On the cross as Jesus died, he became utterly alone. Utterly alone. So that you would never have to be. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your heart that chases after us. And when we're when we're captured, when we're stuck, when we're trapped in our bunkers of aloneness or cells of isolation. Lord, break the glass, break into every life. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that they would know your love rushing toward them and punching through and finding them and filling their life, filling all the empty, all the void, all the lonely, filling it, Lord, with your spirit, with your love and with your grace. For you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And you never leave us. You never forsake us. And it's in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and the Church says. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.